Welcome to the Valve Chronicles by Clay Valve, your trusted partner since 1936 for the world's highest quality automatic control valves. Join us as we share insights and discuss products that are often invisible, but always essential. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Valve Chronicles, a Clay Val podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And folks, thanks so much for joining us on another episode of the show. As you're listening along, make sure that you're subscribing to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify for a full catalog of previous episodes, as well as notifications when we drop new ones. And make sure you're going to our website, clayval.com. That's clay, C-L-A, dash val, V-A-L, dot com, for more information on solutions and services and more content from Clay Val, including episodes of the podcast and more. So on today's episode of the podcast, we're taking the time to break down the importance of a quality servicing and maintenance software for water system assets. With so much valve data flowing in, pun intended, and the critical nature of industrial water systems, having control over that data and complete oversight for preventative and periodic maintenance is more important than ever. So at ClayVal, we've aimed to meet these needs with our Link2 Valves system, which is a simple private portal and software tool for managing the service scheduling of automatic control valves and other water system assets. On the podcast today, we're going to be getting into the specifics of how Link2 Valves works and what industry needs it's meeting for today's industrial water systems. For insights, we're joined by two ClayVal guests, Mark Gimson, Director of Marketing and International Sales, and Omero Garcia, Area Sales Manager. Mark, great to have you on. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you, Daniel. Yeah, good to be here. Absolutely. Pleasure getting to chat today. And Omero, great to have you on as well. How are you doing? Good. Thank you. Appreciate the invite. Our pleasure. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and jump into uh, the main topic for today. I want to start by pulling from y'all's background a little bit and setting the stage for why a solution like Link2 Valves is uh, more necessary today than ever. Uh, So Mark, I'll start with you. You have over 35 years of working with control valves, and you've done plenty of white papers and valve seminars around the globe, published numerous articles on valve operation and maintenance. So this is your bread and butter. In that time, over those 35 years, and if you want to hone in uh, more recently, that's fine too, but throughout your career, how have you seen maintenance needs for valve systems change and evolve? Well, that's, uh, all of a sudden I feel very old, Daniel. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Actually, actually valve maintenance, the valves themselves, really, in 35 years, they've certainly got a lot smarter in terms of the, the technology that goes into valves. But the actual maintenance side of the valves, I mean, it's a, a little bit like faucets, you know, a faucet in your bathroom or your kitchen. They open and close. And so there is, you know, there is still some aspect to, you know, a moving stem and a and a seal that, that has to be maintained. And so in 35 years, that aspect of it really hasn't changed that much. Other than these days, we're seeing one of the key problems globally is aging infrastructures. So even though, you know, the valve may function as well as it ever did, what we're seeing is that due to, you know, heavier traffic loads on roadways, we're seeing pipe aging out, utilities not having the money to actually upgrade their piping networks as they would like to. We're seeing that just over time, uh, our infrastructure is getting old and it's less able to handle pressure spikes or incidences in the network that maybe when it was brand new, it could. So having a valve that operates correctly and functions to its, you know, the original design of the valve is really critical. You can't have valves that are operating poorly or sluggishly or just not at all. I think one of the other things I've seen over the years is, you know, 35, 40 years ago, Utilities 
probably had more staff. I mean, I don't know if that's a, an accurate statement, but it just seemed like there were more people available to actually do the maintenance. And a lot of, a lot of utilities, a lot of, a lot of councils and cities actually had the time and the staff to actually go out and do, you know, on-site preventative maintenance. Well, over the years, a lot of that has sort of gone by the wayside. It appears now that valves only get looked at when they break down. They don't, a lot of utilities just don't have the staff levels to actually be be going out into their networks to be checking on valves, you know, on a frequent basis. So, you know, the good ones, those that really sort of are on top of their maintenance programs still do a, a great job of this. But, you know, if I'm brutally honest, a lot of these uh, operations departments are really stretched these days. And I, I sort of feel for these guys because, you know, your car doesn't run forever if it doesn't get regular maintenance. And, and that's true of anything mechanical. So having a valve that, you know, at least you can, you know where it is and, you know, how critical is it to your network, it's important that it does get maintenance. So I would say over the years, that's probably what I've seen, just just valves getting less attention as as systems and networks grow, as they get bigger and staff are stretched further and further and further. Well, Mero, how about from you? Can you give us a little more context on how long you've been in the industry and any uh, important changes or shifts that you've seen as well? Well, Daniel, I've been in the workforce for eight years, and straight out of college, I started working with the uh, contracting companies, industrial construction and waterworks construction. So I got to see the effort that has to go into these shutdowns. You have to schedule, you know, the end user, could be a city, a municipality. You have to schedule any engineer support that has to be there and then the contractor and you have to have all the materials ready so when you have an unexpected breakdown you know more and more like mark was mentioning because staff is stretched so thin sometimes out of sight out of mind means we haven't touched a valve in years and possibly you know have forgotten when the last maintenance was performed on that valve so just the hassle the stress of trying to coordinate all these all these members to get a, a shutdown that is going to affect not only the municipality but a certain part of of that infrastructure where that water is needed adds a lot of money adds a lot of time a lot of stress something that could have been minimized if you would have just performed the maintenance and sometimes like mark was saying it's not because you didn't want to do maintenance on your valves it's just you didn't have the resources to get it done in a, in a proper time so combined, you both have many years of visiting valves in the field and seeing some of these issues uh, materially. What are some of the most common issues that you see when industrial water systems have a lack of maintenance? I would say from myself, I mean, Homero may, may have other examples, but for myself, you know, as I've sort of visited valves around the world, there are, there are two things that I see that are extremely common in control valves, like in industrially and municipally, you know, for waterworks systems. I would say the number one thing that I see where a, a valve is going to have issues is these valves all have pilot systems. And these pilot systems are typically much, you know, if you've got a valve in a, in a large line, the pilot system may only be anywhere from, you know, three-eighths of an inch to you know, maybe half an inch, five-eighths of an inch in diameter. So it is a relatively small feed line into the pilot system compared to the size of the main line of the valve. So all of these pilot systems do need to have a strainer. And and I would say that probably the number one issue that, that I have seen in the field is dirty strainers. And, and strainers are... You know, I mean, it's it's like a little filter that keeps the water clean going into the pilot system. But these are really critical. I mean, a block strainer, if it blocks to the point of completely blocking, uh, you're going to have a valve that, that will never go closed. So, 
you know, at that point, you you've got a major problem with a valve that you just you just can't get shut. And so, dirty strainers is one issue, and I I've seen that time after time after time. And the other one, the second biggest problem that I I would run into is is probably air in the pilot system. Any time that you're reducing pressure, or any time that water is forced to make a quick directional change. H2O is water and there is oxygen in there. So water, air is going to come out of water and it, it likes to collect at high points. And if uh, if there aren't adequate ways for that air to escape in a network, if there's not enough air release valves in a network, then typically it's going to like to collect in the pilot system of the control valve because uh, that's obviously usually one of the high points. And so air in a pilot system uh, is also going to cause problems with a valve not functioning correctly. So, you know, they're two very simplistic issues that can be fixed in literally, you know, minutes if if a valve is looked at uh, and and somebody's actually visiting it on a on a scheduled basis. Uh, but both of those issues can cause horrendous problems. To Amero's point, you know, if a, if a pipeline fails, it it is a massive undertaking for a city, and and especially these days where, you know, with with insurance premiums going up, and you know, cities are having to protect themselves uh, and prove that they're actually maintaining their equipment. You know, it's it's a bit of a nightmare for them to to stay on top of making sure that everything is done. So. They're two very simple problems. I mean, there's you, you always run into things like, you know, things either, you know, being in pipelines that don't belong in pipelines, contractors or whoever leaving things in a pipeline that gets stuck in places. But but the, this type of valve sort of really doesn't – I've not seen you know, catastrophic instantaneous failures. I mean, these, you know, these types of control valves, they tend to, they tend to fail over time, you know, just because of, of simple maintenance issues. And, and a dirty strainer is definitely one of them. But Omero may have something more to add to that. Well, thank you, Mark. I totally agree with you. One of the main issues is what we like to call starving the pilot system. So any blockage, whether it be in your strainer the ports of the valve or any other fitting along that pilot system if you're limiting the water flow to your pilot you are limiting its ability to control that set point whether it be pressure reducing function pressure relief sustaining or flow control and uh, you can also have the opposite effect of overflowing where your pilot cannot take control because it's the water is running straight through that pilot system second biggest thing I've seen to add to Mark's comment is changing conditions of the overall system like mark was saying you rarely see your valve fail instantly but a line breaking upstream of the valve you know can can take i don't know weeks maybe months but once that break in the line starts getting bigger allowing gravel and then bigger rocks to flow through flow through the lines and then eventually reach the valve that will also cause a um, blockage so sometimes it's not just the maintenance of the valve that we see, but it's also maintenance of your system. When we get there and we open a valve and find bigger debris inside the main valve, we can we can also inform the customer, hey, uh, it looks like you're also having problems upstream of the valve, not just with the control valve itself. That's that's a really valid point, and uh, the number of times I've I've visited sites where you know, we've been called in because this is the control valve's fault because everybody assumes that when something goes wrong, it must be the control valve's fault, uh, only to discover, you know, to your point there, Romero, that there's actually something else, <laughs> you know, <laughs> something else wrong with this network and you're blaming the valve and, you know, yes, the problem may have ended up in the valve, but it wasn't really the valve's fault. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. When these valves go kaput, how does this impact operations, finances, and maintenance budgets? Oh, well, water utilities obviously do keep money on hand for sort of emergencies. I mean, they do have like emergency budgets typically. And obviously in bad years, you know, they, that can that can eat into their 
their budgets. Obviously, I mean, if you suddenly get a major line break, you know, if you have a major incident, then you're losing a lot of water quickly. And that, I mean, aside from the fact that you're sort of a water utility at that point is losing revenue, there's also all of the side effects to where that water is going. At that point, you know, you're opening yourself up to, you know, all of the litigation of, you know, what are you flooding, you know, or, you know, have you overpressured something and you're blowing out, you know, people's water, domestic water heaters or something, you know what I mean? So there's, there's lots of, if you just think about, you know, what's happening in a water network and water can do an awful lot of damage very quickly. So obviously it's a huge, a huge burden on a water utility because they have to sort of basically stop what they're doing and, you know, it's all hands on deck to get it fixed. So, you know, if this is in the middle of an intersection or something, then, you know, to Omero's earlier point, you know, the, dis the disruption, the traffic disruption and, you know, I mean, you can, essentially close down a city center because of a major line break. And I'm sure we've all seen videos on YouTube of, you know, where, you know, horrendous line breaks have occurred. And actually, even on the news, you know, I mean, recently there was, well, some months back, there was one in California somewhere where it was flooding a campus, a university campus. So, oh yeah, these things, they do make the nightly news. And I think that that's every water superintendent's worst nightmare that you know, they're going to hit the, the evening news. So yeah, it has a huge cost effect and just a really just ruining the, the sort of reputation of the utility and, and also ensuring that, you know, they've got a, a bunch of clients now that aren't getting served the, you know, their water pressure is gone and that can affect industry, um, you know, uh, emergency locations. So yeah, water is a big deal. So it, it, it does cause a lot of a lot of upset. And this is why utilities do have money, you know, sort of set aside for replacements of aging pipelines and, you know, and those those kind of things. But yeah, it, it's uh, I think statistically the number of I mean, this is a very hot topic in, in the water industry right now. And, and that is just how much infrastructure does need to be to be upgraded uh, in the coming years and, you know, how and who is actually going to cover the cost of that. So it is a big deal. You know, Daniel, we say this jokingly, but it, it seems like failures like to occur during 2 or 3 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> yes. So getting a hold, yeah, getting a hold of the proper people, you know, adds to that cost. Who can say you can call, you know, the, the proper technician and have them there within... 30 minutes sometimes you know travel times are in the hour two hours depending on traffic depending on location also many of these parts you know are not kept in stock locally and close to close to that facility sometimes things have to be shipped so you're, you're talking not only about a shutdown that will affect the local community but it this can be a, up to hours you know we 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 hope it's not days that this uh, emergency line break affects the community. And it's hard to put a price on it because Mark was mentioning this could affect maybe a golf course or this could be a water line uh, going to a chemical plant or, you know, a facility that creates microchips or a hospital. So different scenarios. It's always Murphy's Law, unfortunately, but um, it is never never leaves a good taste in the mouth for anybody when you have to go through an emergency like this. Yes. Yes. There's a, there's a great saying that sort of really uh, relates quite well to our, to our valves. And that is often invisible, always <laughs> essential. <laughs> um, Omero's right. Two and three o'clock in the morning. I mean, that's, that is, that is sort of every utility superintendent's nightmare because that's usually when it happens and especially on long weekends and holidays. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead and loop in link to valves now as a potential solution to some of these issues. So how does link to valves aim to address these various maintenance needs as well as just broader data management and assessment needs? Well, 
link to valves uh, if if i could put link to valves you know what is link to valves it's it's basically a secure web-based platform that allows registered users to locate manage and maintain their control valves using a phone app interface and a user dedicated web portal and and this was really developed because we know that most utilities do track their assets. They, they track their critical assets or, or they should be tracking their critical assets. And there are a number of asset programs out there to track, you know, typical municipal type assets, but there wasn't one out there that was detailed and focused enough to track actual control valves. And so, we really wanted, we at Clayval wanted to, to develop something that would be a, a very useful tool that our customers could utilize to really keep a handle on tracking the control valve portion of their assets. So this is a dedicated program and we know that automatic control valves do require maintenance in order to keep their sort of networks operational. And so you know, we wanted to give them a tool that they could use very easily, you know, without a, an awful lot of, you know, we didn't want them to be software developers or programmers. We wanted this to be a very easy, useful tool where they could, at a glance, see which of the, the valves in their network was requiring maintenance, which were good, what they might need to do, you know, what, what maintenance may be required coming up. Because we believe that, you know, to Omero's point before, it's it's much easier to do preventative maintenance on that valve than it is to have to replace the pipeline in that valve because that valve wasn't maintained. And so we just see that, you know, in order to help our customers, you know, really get the lowest cost of ownership of this this asset. Uh, if we could help them look at their maintenance and actually help track it with them and give them some assistance as to, you know, some of our expertise into how frequently they might need to look at this this asset and give them a, a free tool that they could use to track it, then, you know, we might actually be helping them out. So that's sort of why we came up. I mean, do you have anything to add to that, Omero? Well, I'd, I'd like to add a few examples of a couple of customers I've been able to help here in Arizona. Benefits that they have seen. I remember just rolling out link to valves. One of our customers here in Arizona accepted, was interested. We got them the login information. And part of the service we offer is that we'll go out there and help you log your valves to, you know, to ensure we have accurate data. And he was very excited. He said, yes, come on out such and such day. And he said, we're going to have a long day because I know we have 50 valves in our system. Not a problem. We'll get her done. And I remember when we were out there, we ended up logging in 58 valves. <laughs> the customer was very surprised. He, he knew his system. He's been working around his system for a couple decades now. And there was eight valves he was not familiar with. So again, out of sight, out of mind, but now he is aware of the additional valves. Uh, second benefit, um, the municipalities or end users go through budgeting. This could be end of year, mid-year, and it was very simple for me to provide the information required for him to know, okay, I have so many well sites that are showing yellow, which means they're coming up for maintenance. Omero, could you send me quotes for all the, all the repair kits needed for these wells? Not a problem. So now he has accurate numbers that he can share back with management. And uh, not only does he look like a superstar, but we know we are actually providing him the accurate data because we were able to log in the valves and, um, and know what model numbers he has or know if he made any changes in the field. Because that happens once in a while. A valve has to be, you know, retrofit in the field to meet uh, certain requirements. And then I have... Another customer that really sticks in my mind, he was at his budgeting meeting and he remembered seeing us 
taking pictures and talking about this this app that we have on our cell phone. Not very interested at first, but while sitting at his planning meeting for the retrofit of a booster station, he remembered we were taking pictures and he calls us during his meeting and says, guys, did you take pictures of all the valves at booster station number such and such? Yes, we did. Can you get me a login? I need to know how many sizes and model numbers. Of course. <laughs> so uh, just just a couple of examples of what this app can provide for you as an end user. Now, a part of taking advantage of Link to Valves is integrating it with the infrastructure that a water system already has, right? So how does Link to Valves integrate with existing physical and digital infrastructure? And what are some of the possible integrations? You know, f- feel free to get creative with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, good question, Daniel. Link to Valves is... Um, I mean, as a tool, it is a fantastic way to Omero's last point for for an end user to really get sort of up close and personal with his system and his network, uh, because it it really allows them to, as part of the part of the program and part of the use of link to valves, is they do have to visit the site in order to, you know, record on the app. They need to record the actual details of the valve, so that involves taking a picture a few pictures either of the site actually of the valve itself you know the inlet tag it allows them to sort of log down all of the uh what the pressure settings of the of the control pilot are and any other pertinent details about that site so so from an end user perspective it really allows them to at least once in at, at a set time it allows them to actually visit the site get a good look and while they're looking at our valves and logging the valves obviously they're also taking stock of what else is happening around you know the control valve because a control valve typically doesn't sit in a valve pit totally by itself you know there's there's other equipment or in a pump station there's other equipment that goes along with that so the record of this of the control valve really just forms a part of you know of the whole network so to Amero's point you know, the data that they've collected on that control valve can now be used for their maintenance budgets uh, for the entire network system. Now, right now, this people tend to use this this app just for their control valves, but really there's no reason why they can't, uh, there'd be no reason why they couldn't log other equipment on the app. Uh, I mean, it's written around control valves, but but obviously, you know, once somebody has downloaded the app and they're logging it, uh, logging their equipment, they could they could actually add other things. One of the real beauties, though, and I think is how this ties into the network, is when they log into the the website version, the web portal for the app, and they go to their their own sort of dedicated link to valves portal, which only they get to see as the end user you know this is this isn't shared publicly it's it's their own sort of personal side of of the portal they're going to actually see a map view of all of their uh, of all of their assets if you like so they're going to see little push pins on a map of all of the valves that they've logged well for a utility supervisor that's really good cuz he's going to get to see geographically where his valves are located within his network but it's also going to really help him because as Omero mentioned before the valves are actually coded in three different colors it's either a red valve which means it needs maintenance now an orange valve that means maintenance is coming due or a green valve which means maintenance is good and so it allows him to see, you know, very clearly on his map view where his valves requiring maintenance are. So from an operational standpoint, it allows him to say, well, you know what, in the northeast quadrant, I might have five valves that need maintenance. I can send the guys over there and they can do all of those valves in one day, which in an old sort of maybe maybe paper note taking system he wouldn't have necessarily you know been able to see graphically where all of those valves were so 
that's one of the beauties of this. They can actually get a real good snapshot view right on their desktop as to, you know, where all of their assets are and, you know, they can help schedule out their staff accordingly. But in terms of uh, how this actually ties in digitally, well, all of these, uh, to Amero's point, uh, all of these, you know, anytime that he creates a record, he can actually download that. Uh, if any kind of service reports, any reports that he's done on the valve, if somebody's gone and worked on the valve, he can actually download and print that out as a PDF. So he can actually keep paper copies if he has to submit reports to his superiors. Uh, to the board or something. Link to Valves does have very good built-in reporting tools, so um, it allows him to really track very clearly, you know, what is happening with, you know, the assets in his system. Well said, Mark. <laughs> oh, thank you, Amaro. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I can't follow I mean, that. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right, let's get into some of the uh, the day-to-day -day functionality then of Link to Valves. So can y'all break down how it fits into existing uh, maintenance, management, and oversight workflows, and how it just intersects with some of the broader needs of industrial water systems today? Well, Omero, you're, Omero is sort of in the field day-to-day, -day, so I'll let, him I'll let him take a stab <laughs> at that one. Yeah. Well, the initial step starts with logging in your valves, correct? And um, after that, we uh, let the system take over. So if, if, if everything was maintained or if it was this was a brand new installation, we have the opportunity to set the reminder capabilities of the app to a three-year maintenance plan or customize that depending on the system requirements. So what happens within the the 30 day out or the 60 day out, the customer and your uh, salesman will start receiving a notification via email. That's what triggers the conversation to start between the salesman and the, the end user. You know, just, just as a reminder, hey, I noticed these valves are coming up. Let me know if there's anything I can help you with. Here's the parts that, that would typically be required at this time. And uh, then the end user, you know, follows his procedure, his protocol, and he can either decide to purchase parts and perform the service himself. We have many customers who actually prefer that Clayval come and service the valves, and uh, that way Clayval can also inspect the valve and see if there's any other relying issues that need to be addressed at that time. So it typically starts like that. It starts through a couple emails, procurement of the parts, and then scheduling of a service to, to be done. When that is done, then again you come to you come to the use of the app and you record what has been done to that valve and you set the dates again to reset. Now based on your, your visit, you may determine with the customer, hey, it looks like three years or less was good for you. Some customers say, you know, I want you out here every six months just because of how important this valve is to the system. So you'll, it's always a talking point. Not not only do we have the opportunity to get you the the correct quote for parts, but it's also a talking point to see how the valve has been service, serviced, how the valve is functioning in your system, and uh, what we can do to keep that going to best serve the needs. Yeah, well well put, uh, Amaro. I mean, I I think you know having been around the block a while, I mean this is something that. Uh, I mean, this kind of software program is is something that sort of was long overdue, and uh, the way that it's been accepted by the industry has has been fantastic. I mean, we now have thousands of users, you know, not only around the U.S. but uh, certainly around Europe, and you know, spreading across the globe. So it's it's definitely uh, something that you know there was a a, a definite need for. And, and the fact that, you know, this is a free software program, I mean, an end user pays nothing for this. Uh, this service is totally, uh, totally free. And it, it is very, very easy to operate. It's very interactive. I mean, uh, everybody, well, I won't say everybody. Most people these days have smartphones. <laughs> um, I'm sure there are some people that still don't. 
Um, but uh, most people are using smartphones. You know, most people are familiar with phone apps. So, you know, the adoption rate and the adoption time is really, really quick on this. And uh, I mean, it's something that, you know, regardless of, of whose valve that somebody is using, it's something that I think everybody should would see great benefit to. You know, I mean, I know a lot of guys. I mean, I I have a I recently talked with a gentleman in California who was he actually maintains 92 control valves in his network, and he was he was actually doing it all manually in Excel uh, because he found the need to actually be tracking himself valves, and and he couldn't find anything out there, so he was just super happy when he discovered that there was an actual app to do this, and. You know, he just likes the fact that he can take pictures of the valve. If you like, you can even get the geolocation of the valve, you know, so the actual coordinates. Uh, so, you know, if you needed to find a valve in the middle of nowhere, that you could do that. Now, the geolocation can be turned on or off, just, you know, for those people that might be concerned about security. But, you know, the fact that you know, you also get that sort of gentle email reminder that, hey, you've got a valve in your network that's coming due for maintenance. That's kind of a nice, you know, little tickler to remind people that, you know, somebody is at least watching your valve for you sort of thing. You know, if not physically, at least, you know, electronically, you know, on the app, it's actually keeping track of the calendar and remembering that, you know, it might be time to take a look. Uh, so yeah, all good. And Mark, I, I wanted to add something. You, we keep mentioning uh, the pictures, and not only do the pictures come in handy for maintenance and and servicing of the valve, but troubleshooting. Oh um, yes. We, yeah, we we get many phone calls, and the first thing we want to do is verify what kind of valve you have. It's very common in the industry to hear, "Well, I hey, remember that PRV." But PRV can mean a few different things. Yes. Pressure reducing, yes. pressure relief. We yes. know we have a control valve, but um, when we are able to look at the pictures that, that are documented within the app, okay, I remember this valve. And the customer, all he has to say is, well number 12. You know, my PRV on well number 12. And we are able to look at that. And then we can, you know, over the phone, help him troubleshoot that valve. And uh, sometimes all it takes is two minutes over the phone, and oh, thank you very much. We're we're up and running again. That's all I needed to know. And we were able to do that because his valves are logged in, and uh, pictures were recorded. That's that's actually a really good point. I mean, I know. I mean, before the advent of of cell phones and you know the ease of taking pictures, it was troubleshooting a valve was a real pain over the phone. I mean now. You're right, because of the whole picture idea, and even guys that haven't maybe, you know, that aren't even utilizing link to valves yet, you know, we still ask, oh, hey, can you send me a quick picture? Uh, and and that's, you know, we appreciate that, you know, we, we eat, sleep, and drink control valves every day, you know, and the utility guys in the field, I mean, they have a, an entire system that they're looking after. We don't expect them to be control valve experts. You know, we understand that. They have too many other things that they are experts on. So, you know, any kind of help that we can give them, we just love to do it. And so, you know, uh, having those pictures, you're right, actually. You're, you're very right, Omera. The fact that those pictures now sort of reside in a platform that if we have to jump on a call, we can just jump on and take a look at the picture with them. Hey, that just makes the whole process you know, so much easier for sure. Yeah, good point. All right, only a few more things I want to highlight here about Link to Valves. Uh, really, I just want to clarify a few things as listeners are listening along if they have any questions. So one of the big ones is, uh, you know, a concern from end users might be the sensitivity of said data and it being mismanaged or handing it over to a third party. So what encryption methods do you use on link to valves, if any, during data transmission or while storing the data on the servers? Well, all data um, that is actually transmitted to and from the application is is definitely secure using, you know, modern Cypher suite, SSL and 
TLS 1.2 or greater. So, so you know, an end user can rest assured that the data is actually secured. We're not securing this. We're not saving any data on the cloud. This is actually all stored in Clayval facilities. So it is very, very secure. It's the data is all sort of backed up. So in the event of a disaster or anything, there is a backup there. We perform penetration tests regularly to ensure that nobody can actually break into, into the platform and actually steal any data. Customer data doesn't overlap with any other customer's data. So only the people that the customer has said can look at, look at their data are the ones that can actually look at it. So we've really, we've really made a, a concerted effort to ensure that we're respecting a customer's privacy and, and B, you know, we are uh, control valves form part of a very valuable asset, you know, and a very, very important asset to, you know, to a city and to the nation. And so for that reason, we take, we take the security of that data very, very seriously. So, you know, I mean, even to the extent that things like brute force attacks, software brute force attacks, I mean, that's why people will notice that, you know, we use recapture validation that, you know, bots, you know, cannot actually read. And we can actually, if, if people really want to take it a step further, we can actually do two-factor authentication, you know, where a password or a number are, are texted to a to a uh, an SMS, to an email or an address of their choosing so that there is that double-factor authentication. But yeah, we do, you know, to answer your question, Daniel, yeah, we do take it very, very seriously. And we have a very a very high rating and i mean if if users want to see you know copies of our penetration testing certificate we can certainly provide that now looking ahead um i know that at the beginning of the conversation mark you basically said that valve maintenance hasn't changed much throughout the course of your career do you see anything on the horizon any shifts in technology industry needs or otherwise that are going to be guiding any of Link2 Valve's updates and future iterations? Yes. I mean, the control valves themselves in terms of, you know, a control valve is is manufactured typically in a, in a waterworks system out of ductile iron. You know, when, when somebody buys a control valve, you know, that is something like a 50-year design life. And, you know, we frequently see valves of that age. You know, I mean, they, they don't just disappear. I mean, it's an investment that is is going to last a long time. However, what we have seen, well, I mean, we have made advancements to the to the actual body of the control valve over the years. Uh, you know, we've added such functionality as anti-cavitation trim and low flow trim and things like that. But while the valve itself hasn't changed substantially, what we put on the valve has definitely changed an awful lot. As computerization technology has advanced leaps and bounds, so we're now seeing way more electronics added to valves. People are really interested and exciting about doing, you know, real-time monitoring of what is going on with their network and that also frequently involves the control valve so yes we're, we're seeing an awful lot more valves installed with some pretty high-end electronics and and control systems and so that is something that you know moving forward that's something that clayval are definitely you know sort of leading the uh, leading the charge on you know, Clayval, we do an awful lot of electronics valves and we, we have some great products that really address that because, you know, by utilizing solenoids and controllers, we can essentially, by installing, you know, little solenoids on control valves, we can have a control valve that can perform multiple functions just through a controller, uh, you know, whereas in days gone by, you might need multiple hydraulic mechanical pilots to do the same thing. So we're seeing, you know, I mean, to the extent that, you know, having a control valve with a flow meter built in, you know, I mean, that's, you know, some of the technology that's now being incorporated into valves is is really 
fascinating. Fascinating and exciting. So yes, link to valves will certainly follow along suit and you know as as users start to adapt to smarter control valves linked to valves will follow suit yeah we will certainly adapt to and and include those within the platform yes and should any of uh, those changes be major patches uh, or software enhancements what does the roadmap look like for managing said patches and changes or updates uh, how does Clayval manage that for the client? We are developing link to valves behind the scenes constantly. Obviously, we're developing more and more sort of tools within the platform all the time, and we have our own internal wish list of of things that uh, that end users have have come to us with. So, software functionality is is an ongoing process, and so when we see a need for a patch, uh, if anything does occur, we will obviously we fix that instantly. Uh, and you know, bugs and issues are are monitored. And what people will see is that they will occasionally get updates, and it's really as far as their actual information, none of that changes. It, it will frequently be just something like uh, when they log in, they, the, they will be told that, oh, there is a new update. Just like any any phone app, it will tell them that there is a new version they need to, to just update. Um, the software on the actual computer, they wouldn't notice. They'll see some changes, but because they're logging into a to an actual website, any of those sort of changes, they'll just notice the next time they log in. But yeah, we do, we have, uh, you know, in the in the year that it's sort of been out, uh, we've definitely had some, some very good updates. And a lot of times these are, you know, the feedback has come from either end users or from our own account managers that are using the program. We do have a uh, software developers on staff that, that take care of this. And, and yes, it's all handled uh, efficiently and, and very quickly. And to your point, Mark, I just wanted to add that how important the feedback from the end user is. One of our customers, again, here in Arizona, started logging the valves in the system, and then a few months into using Link to Valves, they came back and requested if we could separate their information per district, just the way they manage their valves in the system. So... You know, we take that feedback, and I, and I think it was within just a couple of weeks that information was separated. And not only that, they also, not, not only did they want to separate their valves by district, they also wanted to separate who had viewing and uh, editing rights within that district. So no one better to tell us what the app needs than the end users, and we are willing to, to make those changes because it not only does it help the customer, but it makes our app more user friendly. No, that's that's a really good point, Omero. Yeah, I mean, if if an end user does have something specific that they would like to to do, we can certainly work with them on that. I mean, I know I know behind the scenes that we do actually have you know development and testing platforms that are sort of replicas of of the main platform, so that when they're developing and testing new things, they're not actually they're not actually messing around with the real platform, with the production platform. So, you know, end users will never be affected negatively, you know, by any of the testing that's going on. But, yeah, we can certainly customize uh, to a certain point. Uh, we can certainly, you know, try and address, you know, what end users requests are. And if it's within the, you know, the purview of the of the software, we can certainly take a look at that and really you know, help to try and accommodate to make their life easier for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Good point, Amara. All right, y'all. That does it for our conversation today on Valve Chronicles, the Valve Podcast. I want to thank our two guests. Again, we've been chatting with Mark Gimson, Director of Marketing and International Sales, and Amero Garcia, Area Sales Manager. Mark, if people want to follow you on any social platforms or get in touch, Okay, Clayval, uh, Clayval does have a LinkedIn page, but probably the best place for information would be our website, uh, www.cla-val.com, clayval.com. 
and right on our website they would find that there is a page there is a tab for link to valves where they can actually watch a video that sort of explains a little bit more about link to valves they can actually check out some of the how-to videos at the bottom of the page and uh, if they have any further questions than that we'd be only too pleased to uh, to answer any questions they have they can either reach out to us directly from the website or they can contact their local uh, clay valve uh, salesperson uh, but yeah we'd be only too pleased to to let them try it out give them some help i mean now amara mentioned that our sales our sales personnel are only too pleased to come on out and actually help train people or even log the valves themselves so yes this is something that see as a, a great a way that we can really sort of help to give back to the industry and, and help our end users uh, with their valves so fantastic mark omero thank you again for joining us it's been a pleasure hey thank you for the invite thank you Daniel. and thank you everyone for joining us today on another episode of valve chronicles a clay valve podcast if you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes like Mark said, head to our website, playval.com, C-L-A-V-A-L.com, or subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you.